You are now free to fly for free. Hello and welcome back to Miles Flying with Yehuda. We are here now in our second week of the podcast and we have a very exciting update to share, which is that the podcast is now available in iTunes. So check out iTunes on your computer, on your phone, uh, open up the podcast app on your phone and search for Miles Flying. You'll find us there. You can listen to past episodes. You can subscribe so that you automatically get notified and downloaded onto your phone the latest episodes as they come out. Um, and that's very exciting for us. And we hope that enables more people to find out and more people to share in the knowledge. Um, following up on an item from last week, uh, we have finished talking about all about your credit, as I called it. And uh, at this point, that means you now know all the different things that go into your credit score and everything that makes up your credit report. And basically, you are now a pro about credit, right? <laughs> of course, it takes more than just listening to one podcast to understand it. And uh, so a few people have actually told me that they've listened to it a few times to refresh the ideas, um, to clarify maybe specific sections. Uh, but with time, you'll learn what credit actions that you take will impact you more than others, which ones you need to be more careful of, and which ones are okay if, if, you know, if those things happen to you. Um, this episode is going to be directed towards a beginner. Sorry about that for those who are a little bit more advanced. Um, and if you already have a few credit cards, we'll try to focus on what you should be doing in the future. But um, for today, we're going to focus on someone who is a beginner, someone who has zero credit cards. Now, just a quick update. I mentioned at the end of the last podcast that I had recently applied for two Chase credit cards on the same day, one personal card and one business card. Because I was under the impression that recently those two credit pulls that you would get, one for business, one for personal, would actually end up merging into one. Um, however, in fact, I did get two separate pulls on my credit report, and despite trying, I was unable to get them merged. Um, as we explained last podcast, is that you could get credit pulls merged um, when you apply on the same calendar day from the same bank. Um, and uh, Chase was always an exception for that. If one of the cards was was business and one of the cards was personal, they wouldn't merge them. I had heard recently that that would work, um, but I can confirm as of last week that I was unable to do that, and uh, they were not willing to merge the polls. Now, I'm actually quite fine with that because, as we explained last week, a poll is a poll. It's only a part of a section that totals up to just 10% of your, of your overall credit score, and therefore I'm not so concerned. Okay, let's get on to this week's or today's podcast topic, uh, opening up your first credit card. So you're 18 years old and you have never had a credit card in your life before, or you're 22 years old and you also just haven't had one. Uh, what card can you apply for and actually get approved for? That's a big question because whether cards are the big expensive annual fee versions or they're a simpler card, you've heard stories that you can't just open up a credit card without having any history. But how do you get history if you've never had a card? Um, and that's a catch-22, you know, a chicken and an egg situation. And uh, that's what I'm going to try to tell you which cards have a higher chance for approval for someone who has little to no history. I don't have an exact hierarchy for this list that I'm going to tell you here. Uh, some options are equally as uh, as good or as high of a chance of getting approved for as others, and some of them uh, have a lower chance of getting approved, but they're a much better card to start with if you actually could get this card to begin with. Um, so I'll go through those, and, you, and you'll see what the options are. 
The first one I'm going to discuss is what I did. Uh, I think that's useful to know. Um, I went into a bank with my mother and we co-signed a credit card for me. Now this is different than being added on as an authorized user onto someone else's existing account. For an authorized user, right, that's when someone else has a credit card account and they add you, which means that you're even going to get your own card with your own name on it. It looks like it's yours. However, you're not going to be responsible for paying the bill at all. All purchases show up online on the primary account holder's account. They are the only person who's going to get a bill, who's going to get a statement, and is going to be responsible to pay for it. Co-signing is a little different, and it means that we go into the bank together. It happened to be we went into a Wells Fargo bank, and we applied together. They ran both of our credits, so they checked my credit report and my mother's credit report, and I got my own card with my own online account, my own statements, my own bill, and I am responsible to pay for that. Um, however, I do assume that by co-signing, my mother could be held responsible in the event that I didn't make my payments. Fortunately, we never ran into that situation, so I don't know exactly what happens if I wouldn't have paid my bill. But um, I, you know, we never had that situation, so you know, we didn't. My mother never had to pay for my bill, and I was always responsible, and I always took care of that. <clears throat> because they ran my mother's credit to decide whether to approve me, that credit gets factored into that decision, which obviously helped me since I had zero credit history. Um, and therefore, if you're going to do this, you want to do this with someone who has a lot, a long history. My mother at the time obviously had decades of history. Um, and uh, someone who has good credit history would help you obviously even more. Now, there are some credit cards who, for adding an authorized user, user to, will show up on the authorized user's credit report. And it will build history for them so that one day they could apply on their own based on their own credit report and get their own credit card. Um, but today we're going to apply, talk about cards that you actually can apply from scratch, zero, apply for the card on your own and get approved for it. Obviously, when I say on your own, I mean the you know co-signing example would still be you applying for a card that you actually now get it in and it's your own. The next option, and that would be any any card that you can go into a branch and apply for. Um, they'll obviously be able to tell, a banker will be able to tell if you're coming in with a parent to apply for a card. You know, they're not going to offer you their card with a $500 annual fee. You know, they'll show you one of the lower level cards, but it should be doable to do things that way. If you want to go for a card all on your own without any co-signers, uh, a popular option is the Discover It card. That card is known to be pretty easy to get approved for as a spe it's specifically designed for students who have little or no credit. Uh, it does have a reward program, um, so you will earn points. And Discover actually has a pretty good shopping portal for online purchases, where basically you go to Discover's shopping portal website, and you'd click through to get to regular stores, whether it's Best Buy or um, you know eBay and Bed Bath & Beyond. You get to regular stores, and you earn miles for doing so, for clicking through their website. And a lot of times they have very high bonuses on certain stores and certain categories. Uh, so that is a way that people do take advantage of earning Discover miles. However, I personally have never, never gotten a Discover card. Um, I've never gotten into Discover points as I generally focus on airline miles, but uh, these cashback points do have their benefits. So that is a card that could get you approved for it uh, not without too much difficulty. Another option that's known to be super easy to get approved for is a Capital One credit card. The negative aspect of the Capital One credit card, however, is that they will definitely pull your credit report from all three bureaus. Normally, when you apply for a credit card from Chase, American Express, Citibank, 
they only pull one of your bureaus. And you can learn pretty easily, depending on what state you're living in in America, each bank pulls generally from a specific one of the three bureaus. However, Capital One is known to pull from all three bureaus, which means that you'll get an inquiry, a hard pull into each one of your credit reports. And instead of another bank, which means you'll only get one credit pull, here you're going to get three credit pulls. Um, and therefore, it's impacting all of your uh, credit reports. A lot of people try to keep track of which pulls they have on each of their credit reports because generally, you know, again, depending on what state you live in, the banks pull from different ones. So you'll get used to the fact that Barclays pulls from this credit report and Chase pulls from that credit report. So you try to keep your credit reports organized of who gets which pulls. And here you have Capital One coming in and they're pulling all three. And now that means you're damaging all three of those, of those reports. Again, pulls are not the worst thing in the world, but if they're the Discover It card should be easily easy enough to get that I wouldn't recommend going for a Capital One card. Additionally, the points that Capital One cards earn have very low redeemable value. Um, they can be used for cash back or they can be redeemed directly You know, against, they like to call them travel rewards, but basically just means you make a purchase with a credit card on Expedia or American Airlines or United Airlines. You make a purchase directly with this credit card and then use your points to offset that, that purchase. Those, those points are redeemed at a very low value and are not a great point to start collecting on. So unless you already got one of their credit cards as your first card, you know, and you're letting yourself build up some credit history with that, I don't see why you would start with this. I'm just suggesting it because it happened. I'm not even suggesting it. I'm listing it because it happens to be a card that people can get approved for. Another option is a secured credit card. This type of credit card works very similar to a debit card in that there is a maximum you can spend before your account is depleted, right? A debit card runs out of money when the bank runs out of money that is housing the debit card. So similarly here, you would be able, you would use this card. It's easier to get approved for, um, but uh, it will not work once the fund is depleted. <clears throat> One benefit of this over a debit card is that debit cards, something you don't always realize, do not go into your credit report, do not go into your credit score, no matter how much you use your debit card. Um, however, a secured credit card is an important difference than a debit card is that it will help build your credit and that later on you'd be able to get more of the fun credit cards. Another uh, list of another possible option here is the retail store cards. And these are cards that you would open up if you went into a Macy's, if you went into a Banana Republic or a Gap, if you were at a Yankee game, um, you know, and any other sports team that offers a credit card. These are generally easier to get approved for as your first card. However, they are definitely not as valuable on your credit report as a regular credit card. As I once heard a Chase representative who I was talking to about a rejected credit card applicant and they said the reason why they couldn't approve them is because the report was just a few store credit cards and that wasn't enough for them to approve a first real credit card. So again, even it's not something I would recommend to get as your first card. Um, it could help build your report. It's also possible that you'll get a response like that Chase rep saying that's not enough. Finally, I'll list what I believe is ideally the best option. However, it is not as easy to get approved for as some of the other options. In a future episode, we'll break down the different banks that offer good credit cards and all the different cards they offer. I really can't wait to cover that topic because there's so many great cards out there, um, specifically the cards that are popular among Miles collectors. But for now, Chase is a bank that offers a lot of great credit cards. And we're going to discuss the Chase Freedom card because it's Chase's lowest level card and it is 
known to be one of the easier cards to get approved for with little or no credit history. However, it is definitely not a guarantee. Uh, it's, I'm not saying Discover or Capital One is a guarantee, but those are very, very high chances of approval. I would say Chase Freedom is a pretty good chance of approval, but there's no way that anybody could tell you, who's not a banker, uh, here's what your credit report looks like. You'll get approved for this or that card. It's impossible to tell that. So I, I don't want to give any, any, any guarantees, but uh, it's a card that's worthwhile to apply for. Uh, I have some other benefits about this card, why I say it's better than the others, is number one, it would start building your relationship with Chase, and that's a bank you plan on getting a lot of cards with. The points that it earns are the same points called Chase Ultimate Rewards Points, the same points that you'll earn from several other Chase cards like the Sapphire Preferred, the famous Sapphire Reserve card that came out this year, and the Business Inc. cards. They all earn the same points, so once you're nice building up a nice balance in one point currency, that's a nice way to start as a beginner so you don't have your miles spread throughout different types of programs. Rather, you have a nice collection in one program. Of course, over time, you do want to diversify just like all your other investments. You, know, you have to look at your points as an investment and uh, spreading them out throughout different currencies and airlines and banks would be very smart. However, in the beginning, if you're focusing on one specific trip, if you're focusing on getting started, I think it does make sense to collect one type of currency. So this helps in that as well. And finally, now that Chase has the 524 rule, something we discussed in the past, we haven't gone into much detail yet, but again, a quick reminder, Chase does not allow you to open up many of their credit cards if you have had five different cards opened from any bank in the last 24 months. Um, so in the last two years, you can't have had five new cards. So that means that if you're a beginner, you want your first five cards ever to open to be Chase cards. Now, it's hard to get five new cards from the same bank right away, um, especially if you have had zero history until now. But I'm not recommending you open up five cards from anywhere in the first month. Open up the Chase Freedom card. Try to at least wait a good couple of months, then go for the preferred, you know, or reserve, you know, you move, you move your way along with time. But therefore, if this first card, the Chase Freedom, is your first card ever, then it'll be your first out of five cards. Let it be a Chase card to start, you know, Mac filling up the Chase five that you can get. Uh, that's a basic rundown of the new credit card options for someone who's just beginning. Uh, if you get approved for one of these, use the card for a few months. Again, I can't tell you a specific amount of time. Is it two months? Is it three months? Is it six months? The more time you obviously wait, the more history you'll have built. Pay the card on time. Every month, pay it on time, a crucial point here. And then your credit should be strong enough to make your next move into the Miles game not too far down the road. Okay, on to a Q&A section. Uh, we have a question that came in from a, a listener and a follower of the, uh, of the Miles Flying community. And he asked, do you have any thoughts on the Hilton credit card offers that the bloggers throughout the credit card blogging world have recently posted about? Looks like there are a few options. Uh, yes, I do have thoughts on that. Uh, if you're still new to credit cards, you're going to want to stick with Chase cards until you hit that 524 we've talked about. But assuming that you're past that already, you're past 524, or you're not interested in any more Chase cards, these Hilton cards are currently at their higher bonus offer than they are throughout the rest of the year. They do switch a few times a year, going down in the amount of points they offer for, offer for signing up. Going up to this high now, they are at the maximum I've seen these cards at. Um, and uh, there are four different types of Hilton cards. Pretty rare that you know one bank should have one one program, hotel or airline should have so many cards, but Hilton does have that. There are two Amex cards and two City cards. The Amex cards are now 
one is at a hundred thousand uh, sign-up points when it's normally, I believe, between seventy and eighty thousand. The other one is at eighty thousand now when it's normally at fifty thousand. So you see, these are nice b bumps. The two city cards. One of them is at seventy-five thousand points when it's normally fifty, and the other one is at the standard offer, which it always is at, is that you get two free nights at any Hilton property when when you sign up and you know spend the amount of money to get the bonus. Uh, so yes, these points, these uh, cards are at their higher offer, and it's nice to get an extra twenty or thirty thousand points. At the same time, though, it's important to realize that Hilton points are not incredibly valuable, because the very nice hotels generally require a ton of points per night, while other hotels like um, Starwood or uh, Hyatt will cap out at their top category level, the nicest hotels being about 30,000 points per night, 35,000 points per night. Hilton can go up to 95,000 points per night. So there are more exciting hotel cards. There are more exciting general cards to go for, unless you're expecting a specific upcoming stay at Hilton. When I opened up a bunch of Hilton cards, I had been anticipating a stay that actually never took place, but I was looking forward to staying at the Hilton which property, which is the Conrad Koh Samoy, which is in Thailand. Uh, it's an aspirational property with beautiful hotel and every room has its own private pool in it. Uh, if you look at it online, you'll see some beautiful pictures there. We didn't have the opportunity to actually make it there, but that's why it opened up my cards for. Um, and therefore, I would say that the city card, the Citibank card, which, have, which offers two nights as a sign-up bonus, is actually often better than the points cards because it's a two actual nights versus points that you don't know how many nights you'll get out of those points. Uh, then again, if you have a long stay coming up, you might want to get the card that offers two free nights, and you might also want to get the 100,000 offer, the 80,000 offer, so that you could have more nights stacked up. And then again, if you have a specific stay that you know is a very cheap level of Hilton, and it's only you know 15,000 points per night, 20,000 points per night, you might want the 100,000 offer over two free nights, because that can get you five nights at the hotel you're going for. So you have, to, I would say that for Hilton, you want to base it on the upcoming stay you have in mind, not to just get these cards for storing points purposes. Because listen, if you miss the hundred thousand, you'll get the seventy or eighty thousand. You know, next time it's a, you know when the regular offer is available, or maybe the high offer will be available again the next time you need the points. Not exactly a currency I would uh, collect just to store and hoard. Um, or rather, I would get these points in preparation for a specific trip. With that, we are concluding episode three. Uh, I hope you learn a lot out of this one as well for starting off as a beginner with your first credit card and uh, looking forward to the next time.